0: Welcome
1: to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host Kane Pittman, alongside the Bucks Radio Network's Justin Garcia. Back here again, basically for our standard Monday podcast. Now for today's episode, that is brought to you by Biltbar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. But Justin, the NBA season is over. It's finished. One year after it started, virtually we we're in. The, we would have been in the middle of the preseason scheduled this time last year it's hard to believe that uh, it's only just wrapped up but it has game six was a little bit of a stinker bit of a letdown after the uh the epic game five we had
0: yeah it's hard to uh compare anything to game five um and the laughter isn't because the season is over i'm still watching the video that you <laughs> <Yeah>. tweeted of, <laughs> of rob palenka and it never stops being funny but uh yeah we talked about it last time too how it was the uh one year ago today that it was the open house and scrimmage that the Bucs held, and then the preseason started a couple of days later. And, you know, thinking back to everything that's taken place in that year, uh, where we are now in, what, free agency starts a week from today as well, where you think to, man, in a normal calendar, uh, the Bucs would probably be, what, two preseason games in, getting set for the regular season to start. Let's, let's get back to Polinka. Do you, do you think he's okay? <laughs> that whole presentation,
1: I, I wasn't – I couldn't really – fixate any of my attention onto lebron or genie bus or whoever was talking I, I just i couldn't stop looking at Polinka. this man is hilarious i i don't know whether he's okay so the video i've just tweeted that i honestly i will never stop laughing at this video so <laughs> frank vogel says something and Polinka like he starts clapping and gives a big he's like Woo-hoo! and then goes in for the high five of course vogel like doesn't even look at him and then the camera uh, from this person who videoed this zoomed right in on Polinker and he looks like he's just got a million things
0: running through his head and he's like, what is going on? He, he actually doesn't even look like he knows where he is. The look he has on his face is like, you're hanging out with your friends and maybe you've had a, a few too many and <laughs> you stumble or lose your balance and fall over and then you get up and have that look of nobody saw that, right? Like that's what Polinker looks like in this video and just i'm assuming it was frank vogel he was attempting to high five but the entire time i mean that clip uh, when lebron is talking and rob palenka is basically his hype man in the background the entire celebration with rob palenka who we're, were drawn to naturally just because of you look at him and you think it's rob Lowe, so you have that working in uh but this video i have I mean, it's been on a constant loop the entire time we're recording here, and I'm still trying to fight back the laughter.
1: It's brilliant. It's absolutely perfect. But as far as the basketball aspect does go, Miami, obviously, a pretty good run to get to the finals, there's no doubt. And I mean, to push this to six games, given the adversity they had with injuries, and certainly, as people that cover the Bucs and watch the Bucs as closely as we do, we understand the uh, I guess the part injuries can play in a series with Giannis going down, obviously, with the ankle injury when uh, things were looking pretty dire anyway. But, um, you know, losing Giannis was clearly the final nail in the coffin for the Bucs. So for Miami, kind of incredible that they got it to six games. But I still looked at this series and the fact that they were able to push the Lakers. And I still just sit here and just feel... It's just a missed opportunity. I, I just feel like this is this whole... A uh, playoff series, the the bubble setup that they had down there. It's hard, it was hard for me not to watch this game play out
0: today and still just feel like it was a missed opportunity for the Bucs. Um, you know, for the Bucs, and I think a handful of teams you can put in there. Um, the Bucs are certainly the biggest, at least in the East, but I think if we looked at the NBA as a whole, this is a – you're going to look back on it and say what might have been for the Bucs, certainly, and for the Clippers. But even if you take a step back, I mean, teams like the Celtics were – we spent time a couple of episodes ago talking about what the off season could look like for each of these teams in Boston, you know, who knows is the same things we brought up with, with the Bucks of, you know, who knows what the Eastern conference is going to look like is Milwaukee or is, is Miami going to be on a bit of a gap year? What are you going to come to expect out of Brooklyn with the return of, of Kyrie and, and KD? So this was definitely it, where you don't want to say the window is closed, but the window is open the widest in the Eastern Conference this year, and that's what makes the sting of two straight exits before the NBA Finals hurt even more for the Bucks.
1: So while this game was going on, and first of all, there's our old friend, Jared Dudley, NBA champion. Uh, been in the league 13 years. I was just running through... Some of his numbers, just as I realized and sort of remembered that he's on this team, obviously uh, doesn't see too much court time, although he was on the floor for the end of this game. But Dudley, obviously, with Phoenix for a long time on some pretty good teams there. Um, Yeah, obviously, we love him because he had his his time in Milwaukee as well. But uh, for him, long time coming for him to get an NBA title, certainly as his career kind of wraps up here a little bit. And Costas, he's got a ring. I saw someone joke about this that... Uh, potentially he might uh, – it might have been our, our good friend Patik Patel, actually, that uh, he might not want to get that ring out around the, the family house uh, or Giannis might uh, – yeah, he might, he might not be too pleased with that. Let's just say that.
0: Uh, yeah, so you, So we have uh, the prop bet, which I don't know what it would have paid out, but think about who's cashing in on this, too, if you <laughs> laid it down on Kostas and Jason Kidd as a coach to win rings before Giannis.
1: Yeah, Jason Kidd. I I almost wasn't going to bring that up because it's just sickening. It's just sickening to think that he was on this uh, coaching staff. Uh, it is kind of funny with Jason Kidd with all the the jobs that have been out there. Even a couple of years ago, he was kind of a prime uh, candidate. It felt like to to jump straight back in. Obviously, he's latched onto a pretty good team there in LA, and uh, you know, as a relationship with LeBron James, that's pretty well known. And I think the this will be the challenge for Jason Kidd because I think LeBron is. Is old school, you know, they've had some battles, uh, you know, even in the playoffs as well. In the finals, they've had some battles when Jason was playing for Dallas. And when you look at the guys that are um, getting put forward for these jobs, obviously Ty Lue is a guy we spoke about a lot. It does feel like Jason Kidd has sort of slipped back in the race. And I, I do wonder, because I think the thing that he always had going for him, particularly, you know, when he took the job in Milwaukee, uh, everyone kind of thought, well, he's a player that's got a relationship with star players, and they respect him. But he's kind of also the the era of players that played when Jason Kidd was there, and have that relationship in the Team USA stuff. It's it's kind of slipping away for him as well, though. So I do wonder where the future lies for Jason.
0: Yeah, and you know, as you said, he's he's in a good spot now, where um, you know, not so much Kid, but if we go back to Frank Vogel too, it is just amazing to think about his journey where. You think of the years in Indiana where we were all very high on Frank Vogel and he was viewed as one of the best coaches in the league. And then, you know, as we've seen for numerous coaches, it just either didn't work out or ends badly in Orlando. And he's forgotten. And it took Phil Jackson, from, from what it sounds like, Phil Jackson telling Jeannie Bus, look, I think this guy is really good. And if you give him a chance, he'll do good for you guys, that Jeannie took her old Bo Phil up on his words of advice. And now all of a sudden Frank Vogel is back into that mix where maybe he's not viewed as the best coach or one of the handful of best coaches in the league, but Frank Vogel did a good job this year. And I think a lot of us uh, were anticipating Frank Vogel wouldn't even survive the year and be replaced by Jason Kidd.
1: I think Jason Kidd might've been anticipating that as well, (laughs) which is, this is the funny part about that. As you said, when, when Jason Kidd was announced as an assistant coach, I mean, the jokes were okay. how many games is Frank Vogel going to last year? But and the Lakers obviously had a had a pretty pretty damn good regular season to put them in the spot. And now Vogel, once you win that title, once you win the title, you're probably going to be attached to LeBron there uh, for an extended period of time here. And you spoke about the fact that people forgot about him after Orlando. I, I completely forgot he even coached Orlando until you reminded me of that. It's kind of, it's, yeah, the magic of being a franchise over the last sort of decade, basically since Dwight Howard left that... Uh, you can you can very easily forget some of the players that are, are playing down there with the magic. As far as or one quick update on Giannis, though, because I did mention you know obviously his brothers just won a championship, but it was pretty cool to see. We know he's over in Greece. He's been posting a few photos over the last week or so, but it was very cool to see George Hill and Vin Baker and, Vin and Baker, made, yeah. made the trip over there. And uh, Giannis posted a, a photo today, so just continuing the old trend of Bucks teammates. And, uh, and staff getting over there and hanging out with him and seeing, uh, seeing his home and seeing where, where uh, he grew up. I, I, think it's, I think it's cool. I think it's a great thing. The one thing that you can never uh, question the Bucks with, and I always, it always makes me laugh because this always reminds me of the Kristaps Porzingis with the Knicks situation where uh, no one ever went to, to visit uh, Latvia or, or with Kristaps or, or anything. They never even made any effort to do that. And it's just, you know, the one thing, as I've always said, that you can't fault the Bucks with is how they've they've treated Giannis and, and certainly his teammates are in the same mold and, and the other coaching staff. They certainly go out of their way uh, to try and uh, make him happy and, and also understand him as a person and where he's come from.
0: Yeah, and not to uh, take too much away from the story, but I think uh, Greece, in terms of tourism, is a little easier sell than Latvia as well. <laughs>
1: All right, Justin, I'm going to jump in and talk about our friends over at Roman. It can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves, but Roman is here to get you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame at all. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now with Roman, You can complete an online visit today and connect with a doctor and take care of the situation. Just go to getroman.com slash locked on to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash locked on for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. Getroman.com slash locked on. So one thing I did want to bring up on this episode, and this kind of resurfaced on Twitter over the last few days, our old friend David Dunn. And uh, listen, listen, no one, no one will be surprised to know that uh, it's a Chris Middleton-related tweet here from uh, our friend David Dunn. But he did bring up the reports from, this was going back a couple of years ago, just prior to the 2018-19 season. Uh, where the Minnesota Timberwolves at the time, and it's, it's so crazy to really think about the fact that Jimmy Butler was on the Timberwolves, but uh, they were trying to figure out what to do with Jimmy Butler. He wasn't happy there. We know the way it, it ended up playing out. It was just an absolute disaster there. He basically uh, forced, his, forced their hand and, and won it out of there. And the report was that the Timberwolves offered Butler for Chris Middleton. Now, we, we don't know what the full deal was. I mean, at the time, Middleton was on around $15 million, I believe, and Butler was up closer to around twenty. million. So the salaries weren't a perfect match. There would have been some other pieces here and there. But the main point of the trade was Butler for Chris Milton. And I think uh, Paul Pressey actually on Twitter quote tweeted that and said, you know, at the time I was against Jimmy Butler, perhaps now it does look like it would have been a good trade. Keep in mind that both players were going to be hitting free agency in the near future. So Uh, you you had to ask the question whether or not you thought Jimmy Butler would stay in Milwaukee. I can certainly understand why people would think that he wouldn't based on the situation that was going on in Minnesota. So I, I just, I mean, I can't fault the Bucks for not going through with this trade. And to be fair, Chris Middleton after this point and after this trade rumors has had by far the two best seasons of his career and continues to look like he's just getting better. But as you've watched these NBA finals, did you think about that that moment at all, that trade at all because Jimmy Butler there's no doubt about it it's been It's been the Jimmy Butler Renaissance this year in terms of how he's viewed in the public. Let's say that
0: yeah, I didn't until I saw that tweet as yeah. well. Um, I mean the point you bring up of look, I, I think there's a greater chance of Jimmy leaving in free agency than there was of Chris uh, now, obviously, the biggest difference between Milwaukee and Minnesota is you have the now two time m v p versus a team with just young guys that had yet to really, the talent materialize in the playoffs. Um, so that would have gone a long way in keeping Jimmy. But Jimmy just seemed like he was hellbent on going to Miami, specifically yeah. because of that, as we often hear heat culture. Um, you know, it's, it's tough for me to overlook the, we talk about Chris Middleton's contract and how's that going to look in the final years of it. I mean, Jimmy's two years older than Chris, so it's tough to overlook that. And look before before this playoff run, which you know I wouldn't say has an asterisk, but we're all going to look back at it and say, well, it was a little different because they were in a bubble before this playoff run. It's not even conversation. I mean, Jimmy is still a fine player and had a good season, but it's not even close. You still would have picked Chris Middleton over Jimmy Butler.
1: I think that's right, and I, I think the fit is kind of interesting as well. I mean. What we've seen from Butler and his ability to absolutely carry the Miami Heat in two games in game three and also in game five to wins, just miraculous. I mean, unbelievable performances, particularly that game five, the way that game finished, his ability to uh, work to exhaustion, play 47 plus minutes. And that is the one thing that I'll I'll say about Jimmy Butler. And he's always had that. I mean, there's certainly been times where his attitude hasn't been uh, perfect and, you watch him out there and you think, yeah, this guy doesn't care. He doesn't want to be out there. But his ability when he is engaged to play on both ends of the floor, and that's certainly where he has the edge, I think, at this point in their careers. Chris Milton, you know, going back a few years ago, uh, yeah, tremendous defensively, I think, as his offensive game has improved. And also, as the Bucks have added other pieces, they've also relieved Chris Milton of having to play some of those defensive roles. So I think in terms of a two-way player, Butler clearly... Uh, has him covered. I I think the other question would be Jimmy Butler's skill set. And, you know, we've spent the best part of the last month here since the Bucks were eliminated talking about how do the Bucks add an outside shooter? How do they get a guy that can create more, Uh, From perimeter opportunities, knock down shots off the dribble. And there's just no question. Chris Melton can get his own shot. uh, And yes, some of them are those mid range, difficult uh, post up shots. But he's also just in general a better shooter. Uh, How how do you think the fit would even work with Giannis and Jimmy together? Because I think it's certainly questionable.
0: Yeah, I think it's questionable. I mean, his his three point shooting or really lack thereof isn't ideal here to pair him up with that, uh, you know, this year, especially what uh, Jimmy was doing in the regular season where at one point I I think he was under 20% that he was shooting from three and he he finished at 24. So um, look, the biggest thing that he brings is we've seen his ability to close and he's not a guy that's afraid of the moment. And that's not saying that Chris is either because we've seen Chris give the Bucks some of their biggest shots in the playoff Mm -hmm. runs. Um, But he's a guy that doesn't shrink in the moment. And when you need a basket and you need the half court offense, that's where Jimmy Butler excels and really did during this bubble run. So that would be the biggest strength that he presents. I think the mental toughness as well. But, you know, as you pointed out, the the run that he went on in in the playoffs here. Look, we know what Bud's philosophy is in terms of uh, managing minutes and resting these guys' bodies. <laughs> How do you think Jimmy Butler would have taken to playing 35 minutes in a pivotal must win playoff game?
1: Well, it, it has been a little bit of a roller coaster as well. Uh, for Jimmy Butler tonight in Game 6. He only had 12 points in the game. I know Game 4, after that huge performance in Game 3, he wasn't really able to back that up again as well. And even in Game 1 and 2, the question was, where's Jimmy Butler? Where's he scoring coming from? He wasn't being aggressive enough. So uh, I thought coming into this series, it had been Goran Dragic, it had been Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, obviously just an absolute monster late in that series against Boston, where he pretty much just completely bullied Daniel Tice out of the bubble. But I think there's been stretches during this playoff run where Jimmy Butler, you've watched games and thought, what the hell is going on? Where is he offensively? Why isn't he putting up the shots? Why isn't he being the killer that we saw in game one when he shut the door on Milwaukee? So I think that, you know, clearly two absolutely epic performances, unbelievable on the biggest stage to
0: save the season, but it has been a roller coaster ride. I don't think that we should ignore that. Well, and look, we, we talked about – we started by, you know, speaking of the what if this would have happened with the Bucks and the Timberwolves and that alleged proposed trade of, you know, Chris for Jimmy. I think the even bigger one, and not to pile on the franchise now, but the even bigger one has to be Philadelphia. When you're watching this mm-hmm. and you see Jimmy Butler basically willing his team to within two games of a championship and the way that he played in the playoffs, the fact that Jimmy Butler was – you know, at times, your best player in the playoffs last season, and I think if you're the 76ers and you watch this and and this performance, it's hard not to think, look, if we would have just retained Jimmy and maybe we made some other changes, but, you know, a a group focused and centered around Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid, it's hard to think we couldn't have gone deep in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's a good
1: point you make because when I I looked at the Sixers this year and. You know, Ben Simmons is a guy that yeah, clearly in the half court isn't going to terrify teams, particularly in the postseason, and particularly a team like the Lakers, potentially, if they got there. The guys they retained in Tobias Harris and Al Horford, are fine players, fine players, but they're not, they're not killers. They're not killers like Jimmy Butler, and I've said this a few times, but if you go back to the 2018-19 postseason... We know how it ended for Philadelphia, obviously, with the shot. And it was uh, incredible. Very unlucky that that shot went in for Kawhi Leonard. We know how that played out. But the first round series against Brooklyn when Joel Embiid, who knows what was going on with him. He was sick and I don't know what was happening. Jimmy Butler was the guy that carried the Sixers to get out of that series when the the Nets were really looking like potentially forcing an upset. So, yeah, Butler was their best player during the postseason, I felt. Uh, Whether or not you know, we'll ever know what really happened there. Obviously, the rumors are that he didn't get along with Ben Simmons. Very clearly, Joel Embiid likes him. He's been tweeting every single time yeah. Jimmy Butler does something good in the postseason. So it's one of those weird things that I remember when they organized the the trade with Miami to get Josh Richardson back uh, on their team. I was like, well, okay, the Sixers are very clearly worse. Miami, I, I didn't think we were going to be a team to worry about. But this is what I keep coming back to when I think about this Middleton and Butler debate, you know, I just think that the heat for the run they went on, you know, Butler clearly, he's the leader. He's the vocal guy. He says all the right things. And then he's really gelled with this team. So as I said at the start, it's like the Jimmy Butler renaissance tour. But at the same time, look at the contributions they had and look at the team that this, guy, that this franchise was able to assemble around him and if you look at all their wins, it wasn't all because of Jimmy Butler. So he was just one of many. And he had the big moments in the finals when uh, everyone else was falling down around him. There's no doubt about that. But I, I just I don't know. I, I just don't know if I look back on this whole Middleton-Butler thing and say, yeah, that was a huge mistake. They should have they made the trade or things could have been different if they had Butler. I'm just not sure. It's just hard for me to go back and feel that way, even though I, I'm not denying that... Be- potentially you know in isolation Jimmy Butler is a better player than Chris Milton like I'm not arguing that he isn't I'm just saying that it's hard to look back and still feel like that was a huge mistake given the circumstances
0: yeah I mean that's not the that's not the move right that that, you know it's not a slam dunk it puts you over the top and all of a sudden makes you the best team in the Eastern Conference you can debate whether or not it makes you better or worse um, and I would listen to both sides of that argument, but it's not a, a slam dunk move by any means. And, you know, this isn't to discount Miami and they're running the playoffs because as we've talked about before, they decimated the Bucks, where they systematically took them apart. And it really should have been a four game sweep. But I do wonder if we're going to look back at this and it's going to be, you know, not so much an asterisk, but we look back at it and say, Remember that Heat team that made the finals because Jimmy Butler played out of his mind and they got huge performances from Jay Crowder and Goran Dragic and, and, and Tyler Hero really came on the scene as a rookie. And maybe these guys don't continue to play like this and maybe this was just an ideal scenario for them to be in. We don't know. And that's one of the questions that's going to linger into next season. That I think that's something to keep in mind too when we weigh over well. Would Jimmy Butler make the Bucks a, uh, a championship-type team, or would he make them even better? I mean, we may have witnessed the best-case scenario for this entire team. All right, we gotta now talk about Built Bar—the relaunch of
1: Built Bar. You guys know about it by now. The new and improved Built Bar is even deliciouser than it was before. They have 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors that include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, the 12 originals. I don't know which one's your favorite. Personally. I like the mint brownie. I'll go with the salted caramel from time to time, but they're all fantastic. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are healthy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in the delicious treat that a built Bar is. The Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. All you have to do is go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at builtbar.com and you can still get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last uh we'll see how long they last i'm surprised they're still there so jump on board at (music) builtbar.com to me it just feels like this is prisoner of the moment type stuff because i don't think that anyone prior to this postseason at all would have said look back on that and, brought, and be resurfacing that and say, yeah, that was the mistake that the Bucks made. I just don't think anyone would have done that. And the fact that, that Butler obviously had a couple of big moments here, now people go back and think about it. And, and like you said, I'm more than willing for someone to tell me that they think that that was a mistake and that was a trade that they should have done at the time. And there's certainly, is, there's certainly people out there, there's Bucks fans out there that wanted that at the time and thought that the Bucks should have done that. But I just, if that's the path you're going to go down... I just think that you have to at least do the, the rumors or the trade justice by talking about the situation and talking about what was going on in Minnesota at the time and why you would have had hesitation with doing the trade, talking about the fact that they were both going to be free agents and whether or not you think Jimmy Butler could have actually still been a Milwaukee Bucks player right now anyway. You know I mean? For two years later, a couple of games uh, to to spark this kind of conversation is kind of interesting. And the other thing I'll say... <laughs> the first round uh, the second round series against the bucks this year jimmy butler obviously won game 1 himself he was absolutely brilliant chris milton obviously won game 4 himself he was incredible Outside of that, Butler was was not really great. He wasn't. Well, too... Jimmy
0: Butler technically won Game Two himself as well. Yeah,
1: you're right. It, it just it, it's it's uh I don't think he was a dominant player in that series. You know, like if you put the the numbers side by side, it's it's hard for me to sit here and say, well, yeah, well, Jimmy Butler was you know clearly proved himself as a as a dominant player over Chris Milton. Now he's gone on to have a terrific run. There's no doubt about that. But that's 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 not uh, let's not go back and, and make stuff up.
0: No, and look, I don't think Chris is on this level either, but do you think Jimmy Butler is a superstar?
1: Well, he certainly... I mean, it's hard for me to say no after watching the, the couple yeah. of games he had in the finals. I mean, he, he was incredible. I mean, the performance in, in Game 5 is... I've almost, as far as NBA Finals performances go, I know LeBron has had some incredible stretches, but the, the Jimmy Butler performance was unbelievable.
0: Well, and it, I mean, my point, I guess, too, is... Um, That, what he did in game five is the greatest individual performance we have seen. If you don't think he is, then it's the greatest individual performance we've ever seen by a non superstar. And it's certainly the greatest playoff performance, I think, when the stakes were as high as they were, we've seen by anybody that's outside of what probably the top 10 players of all time. Um, You know, I think to that point that you brought up where Jimmy Butler had some big moments and we seem to remember those and uh, use that to kind of shape our opinion of what he did throughout the playoffs. And he was great throughout the playoffs. And he had some really amazing moments. Uh, game five is going to be something that will live with him forever. Um, but I think you saw, look, and, and that's why I keep going back to the Philadelphia thing. If Jimmy Butler's your second best option on a team, you're a really good team. If he's your best option, we saw Miami get to the finals. That. Yeah, you know, maybe, and maybe that was because of the bubble and everything else, maybe you can get that far, uh, but he's best served as a second guy. And again, that's where Chris Middleton is as well. So it's not easy to discount. It's not easy to say, look, I don't think this would have worked. But on the flip side, you can't really say the Bucks are in any different spot had they made that move. But, I mean, I just – What he did in this finals, we're going to remember forever. What he did in this playoffs, really, we're going to remember uh, forever. And, you know, he was probably, not probably, he definitely was the most impactful player we saw once the bubble began in July.
1: And also, we have to think about the relationship with Giannis. So the interesting situation for Jimmy this year, and many people will have the the belief, and I'm totally fine with this as well, that Bam Adebayo is actually the best player on the Heat, and he's been the most critical player. Clearly, I Adebayo wasn't 100% healthy, throughout the NBA finals, but he's also a a younger star that's come into the mix. So when people talk about Jimmy Butler, part of the problem has been, well, it seems like he just wants to be the guy and he didn't want to play next to Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, he didn't obviously want to play next to Ben Simmons. So I, I do wonder how he would get along with Giannis as well. Now, they might have been fantastic because we know Giannis' work ethic and it seemingly that's the issue with Jimmy Butler. If someone isn't working 150% of the time and dribbling basketballs in their hotel room at 4 a.m., which, to be honest, is something pretty crazy that Giannis would probably do as well, maybe they would have got along. But I, I couldn't help but think back to the reports uh, from a few weeks ago with the whole Chris Paul CP3 stuff and one of the, the lines in the story, I believe it was uh, Shams that wrote this story, or it might have been, it might have actually been Eric and Sam Amick, so I just want to throw all the names in there so I don't uh, rip someone off their credit here. But one of the lines was uh, there is some concern or something along these lines that there was some concern about the personality, personality having two stars with CP3 yeah. with Giannis. So if that's the case, then yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe that Giannis would say, yeah, sure, um, trade Chris Milton for Jimmy Butler. So that also could have been a, a real factor.
0: Yeah, I think that was the uh, Eric and Sam Amick piece uh, that came out. But uh, and, yeah. it, and it's the point that uh, I think we both made a number of times uh, last year when the Bucks re-signed Chris Middleton, too, and even before that when he was heading into free agency is, you know, look, for everybody that's going to complain and say he's not good enough to be a number two or I want somebody else and somebody like Jimmy Butler, the, the thing that I know I would bring up and I think you would as well is, look, Find me number one. Don't just say find another two. Tell me who that guy is. But secondly, okay, find me a guy that fits that criteria that you've laid out. Who is willing to be a part of this ecosystem here that the Bucks are running offensively and not necessarily have plays drawn up for them. We saw that change a little bit last year, but be willing to accept your role as a number two guy. Um, not hear anything from them. Commit defensively and, and just you know play within the system because. <laughs> If you can find that guy, by all means, sign him, because I don't think those guys exist. At least there aren't many of them. And, you know, again, Chris fit this system perfectly, but he fit everything about this team perfectly. So that's the toughest argument against moving him for anybody else when you don't know if that would have disrupted everything.
1: All right, so everyone that's listening here, I'm sure, will have an opinion on this. So feel free to obviously hit the Twitter or the Gmail at LockedonBox or LockedOnBucks at gmail.com. Before we wrap this up, Justin, we did get a tweet and I, I just you know, i just spitballing here. i got to throw this one at you. I, I can't I can't really recall any other time where someone has suggested this to me or has tweeted at the podcast with this suggestion. So I'm just gonna bring it up. I think it's worth Uh, Like I always say, anytime the listener sends something in, I'm going to at least bring it up, even if I agree, even if I I think it's silly. So this one comes from Eric J. Kaznia. I hope I've pronounced that right. There's a series of tweets here, so we'll probably come back to these in a a future episode. But the one I'm thinking about here, he says, I've never liked this player. uh, Well, let me just try and figure out this. I've never liked this player, but try and get Mallow. He can help with a shot maker off the bench. And if you do win a championship with Mallow. Help the view of Bucks overall amongst players. I think many young and old look up to him, so I kind of like the chain recruiting idea. Camelo Anthony on the box in twenty twenty one, Justin.
0: <laughs> so, uh, boy, can you get Cartwell? Yeah, so that would be what your mid level exception. I don't. Do they even have the <laughs> mid level this year? Um, look, I, I'm not. I was very, uh, very much anti Carmelo as recently as a year or so ago. I understand the value that he adds, and as as great of a story as it was, and how you know you saw most of the old guard and the guys that were boys with Carmelo front and center of C. This is why he belongs in the league. We're ignoring all the changes and adjustments that Carmelo Anthony himself made, and the commitment on both ends of the floor, and everything else that he changed. Um, but my opinion did change slightly. I guess, you know. look, we saw how, and we knew this last year too, but we saw especially again this year how important half-court offense is, and it seems to be something that the Bucks still uh, need to do quite a bit of work on and, and get figured out. So that would be the biggest boost you get from him. You know, I just wonder, I, I don't know. I, I, number <laughs> one, I don't think it's it's anywhere near remotely possible, but – I think the upside of even Carmelo Anthony as, I mean, what? He would be probably your ninth, tenth best man on the roster at that point, nine probably. The upside he presents at that is still very limited that I would, I would very much in favor, be in favor of using that on somebody that's more of a two-way player opposed to just a guy that can come in and get you, you know, 15 points on a random night.
1: He's 36 years old now as well. It's uh, worth noting. Turned 36 a couple of months ago there. Uh, hard to believe, honestly, that he came back and played to the level he did. And and I know. I mean, Carmelo Anthony's the butt of a lot of jokes, and I totally get it. I've certainly been a part of that in the past. There's no doubt. But to come back after you know nearly two years out of the league and average 15.4 points per game, it was quite remarkable. Obviously, Portland played him out of necessity more than anything, but he did shoot 38% from three. And I think... a. A big issue for him particularly with the Houston days and I know it wasn't long it was only 10 games but he was really really struggling with the outside shot so to come back and shoot the ball well and play as a as, as not the not the primary option play behind CJ McCollum play behind Damian Lillard at times in different lineups he got his chance to cook a little bit um it was fun it was fun I've always said about Camelo Anthony that I I really really I, I mean I tune in to watch Camelo Anthony play basketball and part of it is the entertainment factor Part of it is just, yeah, the fact he's an old school bucket getter, I kinda like that. I mean, I loved Camelo Anthony in the Denver days. and um, going back a, a long way, he was just he was just so damn cool to watch play and such a such a great young talent. So um <laughs> Camelo Anthony is one of those players I feel like if the Bucs were not, you know, desperately contending for a championship, back in the day I would have said, Yeah, man, like get to, give me some Camelo games, like that's let's, let's pass the season, let's have some entertainment, I'll tune in to watch this guy play. I'm not so sure that he has even any any chance to get to Milwaukee. But Camelo uh, Anthony in Milwaukee is just a funny thing to think about in general. I
0: think. Well, the last time uh, you and I spoke, we were talking about the random Bucks and the most yeah. random guys in some of those teams from the '90s that you would point to and say, "Man, remember when this guy? Remember when the Bucks had Benoit Benjamin and Kevin Duckworth at the same time, <laughs> well past their prime? I mean, not only if the Bucks weren't a title contender, but if this was the old days of the Bucks." I would 100% expect Carmelo Anthony to be not only a member of the team, but maybe even the starting four for the Bucs next season.
1: So it's like a bit of a a Kenyon Martin signing, you feel like. Which, by the way, Carmelo Anthony, I mean, he'll be in the league next year. He did enough um, to earn a contract. I don't think he's getting paid any money. So, yeah, realistically, I mean, he might actually be a guy that the Bucs could afford to sign. So, hey, listen, again, let us know how you're feeling about Carmelo Anthony playing on the Bucs. I will say this. At times when Bud was, you know, very stubborn with the bench lineups, I, I don't think Kamala is a, a Bud guy. First of all, but I will say this: with some of those bench lineups that they had out there, that literally could not get a bucket to save themselves. Sometimes it felt like uh, they. We, we said it all along. They probably need a guy off the bench that can score a little bit. I know, you know, Frank isn't isn't, uh, and neither am I. To be honest, not really high on the idea of Derek Rose in the Bucks. But the beauty of having Derek Rose in the Bucks would be that he could run some offense and get you a shot when everything has dried up a little bit so i guess i could see someone finding some value in camelo anthony but uh, let us know what you think but uh, again I, I think this is probably on the less likely uh, of the scale of things milwaukee could do this off season
0: yeah i, I mean the boy the two names that you just left us with too yeah. i mean i guess if forced i would rather have derrick rose but uh, neither neither seem all that appealing I, most surprising to me about uh mellow was all 58 games he played with the Blazers, he started. And yeah. I could have sworn he was coming off the bench earlier in the season, but uh, that was what jumped out to me. And if we go back to Jimmy Butler, um, it's hard to believe, as you talked about, it's, 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 you know, it's hard for some of us to remember that he was with Minnesota just because of how briefly that ended. He almost played an identical amount of games for the Sixers and Timberwolves. Like That's how brief the stay was in Minnesota, but it stretched over two years.
1: No doubt, and uh, the you know the, the fun part about all this is, I mean, these names we're throwing out there. By the way, Eric also mentioned Jamal Crawford. I think, uh, I think that ship has sailed uh, with Jamal Crawford there as well. But I understand the point you are making, Eric, on 100%. I think someone that can score a little bit off the bench should be a priority. Uh, so I, I 100% agree, even if perhaps the names I, I don't feel are too likely. But, Justin, the, the NBA offseason is officially on. It's officially started. It feels like the Bucs actually ended their season forever ago, which makes me wonder how, teams, uh, how fans of other teams are feeling that haven't played since March. But uh, it's crazy. Crazy long season that came to an end. I did enjoy the NBA Finals for the most part, particularly um, you know, that Game 5. It was, it, was a, it was a classic. It was an absolute classic. But now, now the fun begins. Now the fun begins. A big offseason for the Bucs coming up.
0: Yeah, we got a week until uh, free agency begins. And, you know, that last point you made, too, if you were a team, if you were one of those eight teams that didn't play within the bubble, I mean, you had zero, especially if you're part of that fan base, you had zero investment in the playoffs and finals in all likelihood. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. But it was just so far removed from when your team was actually playing. And, you know, even if your team misses the playoffs routinely, you probably still follow it and just see. But now because we're talking about seven months since your team last played and everything else, you probably were not invested in this playoff run at all.
1: No, no. And when I tweeted out that the game was a classic the other day, certainly a lot of the responses uh, indicated that uh, a lot of Bucs fans are tuned out, but hey, the NFL is on the MLB playoffs are on as well. There's a lot going on. So I can certainly understand. Uh, why you know, what's
0: weird for that. me uh, before we wrap it up, what's weird for me is I was more invested in this uh, entire playoff run and especially the finals than I was last year. And I think that was, I didn't even watch the first, probably two games of the finals last year just because the Bucks got so close that you yeah. thought, especially after being up 2-0, they're going to the finals. And then to have the rug pulled out from under you, uh, it was tough to at least find the motivation and desire to want to watch that team that you felt should have been you playing for a championship. So um, I didn't have that feeling this year. And I think that's probably because we saw how soundly – the Heat beat the Bucs that you knew, okay, this team you know, deserves to be there. Not to say the Raptors in last year, but it, it was a much different feeling this year versus last year.
1: Absolutely, and I did see a bunch of Bucs fans uh, tweeting out after the game finished that uh, now it's time. Now it's time for the Bucs 2021, so that's it. The road to the tip-off for 2021 season is on. Who the hell knows when it's actually going to be, but uh, one thing uh, that we know, Justin, I'll, I'll be here every day. I'll be here every day talking about who knows what. Obviously, it's going to be a pretty big off season. Like I said, any thoughts on today's show, let us know at Locked On Bucks, And we'll be back tomorrow, no doubt. Again, who knows? Frank could be here. He might not be here. We'll figure it out. Either way, I will be. Justin, appreciate it. You got it. We will catch up with you guys tomorrow. Stay safe out
0: there.